So you've got air evacuation starting for people in the path of wildfires in the Northwest Territories of Canada. You've got wildfires, of course, or the fires in Hawaii that have been utterly devastating. Those That death toll now up to 106. We've got wildfires now raging in Northern California. They seem to be surrounding us. Uh, Paul Rogers is the Wildland Fire Prevention Specialist with the Michigan DNR, and he joins us. Paul, it's great to have you. Thank you. So wh- why... Why are we are we seeing more wildfires now or are are these are are they just now becoming so widespread that we're getting more reports on them maybe than it was in years past? It's it's kind of a combination of both. It really depends a lot on the weather patterns. Um, Northern California, you know, the western states starting to take off. This is about the time of year they really start to heat up. Um, Up in Canada, they had a very they didn't have a lot of snow this winter. So, I mean, and they had quite a few lightning storms that went through early in the spring. So, and a lot of the fires up there, they happen every year, but just the more technology and satellite imagery that advances, people can see them a lot easier. They can detect them. So that's why they're getting more notoriety. And we, this year, because we had a lot of smoke from them, people really took notice out of them. And because normally we don't get that type of Sure. Push down in this part of the state. Well, and I, and the thing that I struggle with, and this is not necessarily in the case of Hawaii, because I that's a different situation, and, and I want to pick your brain on that momentarily. But but the the interesting thing about these wildfires is, especially if you look at places like the Amazon, right, where these fires rage, it, it's almost a necessary part of the life cycle of these ecosystems. And so there is a delicate balance, I think, depending on the geography where these fires are located throughout the world, I would imagine there is a, a delicate balance between Mother Nature uh, playing her role in, in repopulating and then giving new life to these, to these locations, but then also making sure that people and, and structures and things that we have developed in these, in these locales um, to, to protect them. Um, how how do we judge that, and how do we juggle that that kind of dichotomy? Well, you're right about it being an extreme, you know, a very quite a tightrope we walk. Um, like in southern Michigan, I am from down there also. Mm-hmm. For thousands of years, fires have played a natural part of our ecosystem. As we as the DNR do a lot of prescribed burns every year, uh, up a little bit further north, the Grayling Gaylord area, uh, we have jack pine that is actually a very very volatile fuel, but it it needs the fire, and we try and put low-intensity fires across the landscape, and that rejuvenates the cones in them for, like, the mm-hmm. Kirkland warbler and things like that. And it is it also helps us remove invasive species. So, And a lot of those fires in Canada, they're so remote, there's nobody around them. They're part of the natural ecosystem, and that's what they let them do. And it is a judgment call if we're on large fires out west and it's going into a wilderness area where people and structures aren't threatened. We can just let it go into that wilderness area. Mm. Um, and then in the fall and winter, when snows come, as it naturally does, it will put itself out. So that's, you know, it really is a judgment call. And absolutely that lives and property come first. And then we evaluate for the native ecosystems to, to burn those, as you know, put fire back in there. And we try always use, we use low intensity fires. It's controlled. And burn under very tight parameters to get that type of simulation. With shifting winds, obviously, we're seeing the effects of some of these fires, especially from Canada. But in terms of the long-term impacts 
What 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 can we kind of glean from what we're seeing so far? Um, you know, the longer it's um, you're going to continue. You know, we're going to see smoke for probably about we could possibly see smoke for about another month before they start getting their fall weather changes coming in. So uh, you're going to continue to see that. And longer term, I mean, when they're the high intensity fires, they do take the ecosystems a longer time to recover from that. But it is part of a natural process. So we will continue to see those effects. In the case of Hawaii, it, it, it seems that there wasn't enough intervention to try to put these fires out early. Now, I. I'm under the assumption that that has then led to what we're seeing in Maui. But but in terms of of I guess if you you play catch 22 here, would earlier intervention have helped in Hawaii or or was it was it just untainable and they and they weren't able to get in? I think there's a couple of things there. The biggest thing is the wind. Um that for them that day it was 85 miles an hour you will never get in front of a fire with that kind of wind right um to be able to fight it on that scope it just grows so exponentially that it's impossible to control um and impossible to get a handle on even in our you know days that we have 30 40 50 mile an hour winds we cannot get in front of these fires we start from the flanks and work around and then we pinch it off so mm-hmm. it's there i, I really don't want to speculate a lot sure. on what happened. I haven't heard a lot of solid details, but it is those when you have that type of wind, those low humidities, and their fuels were right. I mean, everything was drying out, so it it does happen. Um, but I think they just had to basically you could attain it to the perfect storm, where the fuels were available and that winds is what really really drove it. Mm. Well, it's interesting stuff, and uh, I mean, the fires in Canada we've seen, they're well above average in terms of acres burned this year, Um, and and right, this is kind of the prime time for it. This is when they really start to ramp up. Again, shifting winds, we start to see the effects of it a lot here in southeast Michigan, really all over the region, Midwest, even into the East Coast. Uh, Paul Rogers, good stuff. Thank you so much for your insight. Appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Appreciate the, the opportunity. Yeah, you got it. Uh, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. We've got a couple calls on the line. I'm going to get to John in Detroit. What's up, Johnny? Hey, thank you for taking my call. You got I it. I appreciate your uh, very good analysis of that population data. Oh, uh, yeah. Population Yeah, j- just so people know what you're talking about, uh, the, the number of births last year in the state of Michigan – uh, at the lowest level since the nineteen since nineteen forty, Michigan tallied almost one hundred and one thousand live births in Michigan in twenty twenty two. In nineteen forty, there were less than a hundred thousand live births in the state of Michigan. And my comment is that for the data to have uh, a more relevance to today, we need to know the number of abortions in nineteen forty and the number of abortions in uh, just recently. Uh, so that we would see the effect that abortions are having on population growth. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Brian, can you do a a quick search on 1940? And I'm looking at some stats. In 2020, there were 30,000 induced abortions. 30,120, according to mdch.state.mi.us. Um. I don't know what the, I, I imagine that number is probably pretty small in 1940, um, but I'll have Brian take a look at it. 
But again, you look at the population, just the population itself, John. Population in 1940 in the state of Michigan was 5.3 million people. In 2022, it was over 10 million. So, so there is a, you've doubled the population, essentially. Deaths outpace births. And uh, that, that is a huge part of the story. All right, John, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. Uh, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. You got a number, Brian? I cannot find any yeah. abortion rates for 1940. The stats I have here only go back to 1960 where they kept track. All right, so and what the was abortions it 1960? They don't keep track of them until 1974. They have a spot for it. Live births in 1960, and this is nationwide. This isn't just... Okay. I don't think this is just Michigan. No, this is Michigan. Okay. Live births in 1960 is 195,056. 195,000. No abortions recorded. And this there. was I mean, what that, year? 74? That's 1960. 60. In 74... Which is the first year they started recording uh, First year they started abortions? recording abortions. Uh, live births were 136,000. 136,000. Total abortions in the state were 27,000. 27,000. In yeah. 1974? 1974, yeah. Interesting. 1974, 27,000 abortions. Huh, interesting. Okay. Well, there you go. That's your uh, that's your uh, your number, John. Thank you. 800-859-0957. We'll get to more of your calls and texts coming up next here on JR Afternoon. Don't go anywhere.